Hello, welcome to Farm to Fork, a program dedicated to uh, explaining how food and drink are produced, delivered, and served throughout the Pioneer Valley. In every episode, we speak with some of the brightest lights in the Valley's culinary world, from gleaners, gatherers, hunters, fishermen, farmers, uh, packagers, brewers, and restaurateurs, and everyone in between. My name is Jessica, co-host Sue Timberlake, and show producer Caroline Rutterman join me in the studio. Today we'll be talking with Julia Coffey, owner of Mycoterra Farm in South Deerfield, Massachusetts. So Julia, it's good to have you back on the show. Uh, I remember interviewing you years back when your business was just getting started. So I'm looking forward to finding out uh, what has happened since then. So Julia, can you walk us through a brief evolution of your business? Yeah, thanks for having me, Jessica. And uh, so we're Mycoterra Farm. We grow certified organic mushrooms. And I'm having a hard time remembering exactly where I was when I spoke to you, but I think it was still in the closet basement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Very, I think so. Uh, that sounds like right. Mycoterra version one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 1.0 yeah. even. Uh, so um, we've come a long way since then. Mm-hmm. Uh, we. Uh, We was just me at that time, I believe, Mm -hmm. and uh, now we've grown to a crew of about uh, 15 team members in farm operations, uh, not including myself or my daughter Mm -hmm. um, or Mm -hmm. lovely pets or any of that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we were, uh, back when we last spoke, um, I was uh, producing mushrooms, working other jobs to uh, help fund the business and make ends ends meet. And uh, since then, uh, we we really found a a big appetite for locally produced artisanal mushrooms in Western, the Western mass uh, food economy. Mm -hmm. And so we, uh, I continually reinvested our, uh, all the funds we made and even money from other jobs to grow the farm. Uh, initially, we were expanded into uh, two greenhouses at the back of my property in West Hampton. Uh, by the time we finished building them, we'd already outgrown them. Oh, wow. So um, just by happenstance delivering to uh, one of our restaurants, an emergency New Year's Eve delivery, we found this uh, perfect property in South Deerfield. Uh, we purchased that property in 2016. Uh, it was an equestrian center. Uh, we renovated it at, uh, to uh, uh, be a suitable home for mushroom production. And since uh, we finished the renovation project in winter, uh, December of 2017, so we've been continually uh, growing and expanding since we moved here then. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's great. It's good to hear a happy story from a local business when COVID make it so hard for a lot of people. Uh, so, Julia, what is your passion uh, when it comes to growing mushrooms? Um, well, my passion is the unknowns. There's the known unknowns uh, and the unknown unknowns. And just uh, the fungal kingdom has had uh, relatively, I feel like it's gotten relatively less attention than many other organisms so uh, there's still a lot of room for science in general to explore these organisms but as a farmer and a grower where i'm always learning new things Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. it's been uh it's always an adventure and there's also an opportunity to stumble upon things nobody's ever seen before and uh innovate and uh really uh, explore new territory so that's a big 
driving force for me in working with mushrooms. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you have a sense of how many professional mushroom growers uh, there are in the valley? Uh, In the valley, I feel like there's been a number since I started my career farming mushrooms here around 2010 to come and go. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've heard a number of new startups, uh, Westfield, um, uh, uh, the Springfield area. Uh, there is a New England Wild Edibles who's been here longer than I have. Paul Legree's, uh and his family growing mushrooms on logs. Mm-hmm. Uh, we grow our mushrooms much differently. So I have a lot of respect for the uh, seasonality and uh, art of log culture. Um, we compare notes quite a bit, even though our practices are quite different. Mm-hmm. Well, that's cool. Uh, so, yeah, I was curious if the professional um, mushroom growing market is competitive here, more cooperative, and it sounds like you're cooperating with at least one other grower to share information. It's... It, it the the biggest competition in uh, the mushroom marketing cultivated mushrooms is really coming from out of the area. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, the majority of the mushrooms consumed in Massachusetts are from Pennsylvania or Asia. So mm-hmm. a lot of the mushrooms uh, are that are consumed uh, are imported from outside the area. So mm-hmm. I think there's a tremendous market. Uh, opportunity for small local growers. Um, I'm always happy to uh, collaborate with other local startups in that area. Even at uh, once we reach full capacity here, we'll have less than 2% of the market share in Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. And that, that leaves a lot of room for other small local growers to mm-hmm. uh, move into the market. Right. Uh, so what state guidelines uh, do you have to follow while growing mushrooms here? Um, as far as producing mushrooms, we, we have to follow typical food safety standards. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the primary standards are set by the Food Safety Modernization Act. Those are federal guidelines. Uh, however, we work with the state uh, Commonwealth Quality Program to uh, uh for yearly inspections and food safety audits to comply with those federal guidelines. Mm -hmm. And in Massachusetts, we have a big advantage um, over other states because that uh, there's a lot of funding and the the people running that program are very helpful and uh, really looking to guide farmers to meet those standards rather than shut us down. Mm -hmm. That's good. That's always good. And do you have a sense of the wild mushroom gathering market in this area? So that's a tricky one. Um, I mean, there we do have a number of wild edibles that are delicious and um, sought after. Uh, as far as state regulations go, it is illegal to uh, buy and uh, sell wild foraged edibles unless you are um, uh, specifically licensed as a certified forager. And there's very few people in the state that have that legitimate uh, credential. So mm-hmm. uh, a lot of it is, um, it, it, 
it's a clandestine uh, market and uh, for people that enjoy flavor, uh, but it also the 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 balances the regulations help uh, keep people uh, from inadvertent mushroom poisoning, mm -hmm. and uh, so mushroom identification is a very tricky art and science, and so um, they're they're it's good to have that measure in place as far as uh, uh, consumer confidence goes. Uh, and also, given the demand, uh, we, we really don't have the wild mushroom resources to support uh, mm -hmm. as, as many. It, once people have all the a, t a taste of it, it, it's hard to leave it behind. So uh, we, it's good that it's a fringe thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> last, last time you spoke to us, if I remember correctly, I think it was you who said that when the mushrooms are young, it's very hard to differentiate. You know, so when you've controlled the environment and you know what you, what spores you have, it's easier. But out in the woods, it's actually even for the experts, it's difficult when the mushrooms are still small to differentiate. It, yeah, as mushrooms develop, various identifying characteristics can emerge or fade. And so in collecting wild mushrooms, it's really to get a positive identification, especially of species that can be easily confused, it's helpful to have uh, collect a range of maturity uh, of specimens to get the best identifying uh, most well-rounded identifying characteristics. So um, uh, w what we're doing is a sterile tissue culture. It's controlled environment indoors year-round, and there's absolutely zero doubt uh, what we're growing is what it is based on the process. But in the wild, as far as identifying um, some some mature characteristics that, characteristics that could be useful in identifying emerge later in the development of the fruit body. It was you. <laughs> <laughs> you remember it, Sue. <laughs> I did. Well, it struck me because a lot of people go out and forge mushrooms, and I've never mm -hmm. trusted mm -hmm. anyone, you know, in that. <laughs> Who brought it back to you? And, well, that I, she was, const, you know, it was consistent with what I believe. So I was like, oh, okay. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> Made me remember it. So thank you. Right, right, right. So, Julia, for your company, I mean, that's, I see that as a big plus for you that you can always say, there's no chance that one of my mushrooms is a poisonous one, so you can gain that consumer com you know, um, confidence uh, in your product uh, versus yeah. someone who's yeah growing outside. Uh, so, are there are there some wild mushrooms that are threatened with overharvesting? That you're aware I, of, or I mean, it depends. I haven't done a, enough of a you know survey of mm -hmm. the local. Uh, foraging practices on populations, but in areas like Europe where uh, a, a longer spatial, temporal, and bigger cultural harvesting practice, um, there's definitely indications that populations have declined. There could be other factors like acid rain or warming temperatures but mm. um the, the certain species like say chanterelle mushrooms uh, aren't great spore producers so uh the the mushroom uh 
the mushroom is actually just the fruiting stage of the life cycle. Um, chanterelle mushrooms are mycorrhizal species that grow based on a symbiotic association with the root cells of trees. So harvesting the mushroom really doesn't kill the organism, but it does affect the spore uh, dispersal. And for species that aren't big spore producers, in a, a longer um, time frame, it, it can have it affect the population's ability to spread and reproduce. Mm -hmm. I, I thought I saw, an, uh, is it a morel near my house, actually on an old oak tree that was gone? And mm -hmm. I looked at it, and I marked where it was. I didn't touch it because I wasn't sure that that's what it was. Is that in that family of... Uh, morels are a, a little bit more of a unique and elusive uh, uh, mushroom. They, they We're right about the time of year where they start fruiting. And they're... Um, uh, they they can actually have different life paths between decomposer or mycorrhizal. Um, Morel's uh, cultivation has really only begun to advance in the last few years. And I think part of it is a lot of the uh, cultivated mushrooms are based on a sterile process in order to um, colonize substrates and get a fruiting uh, body, but I think the morels require a more complex environmental conditions that may involve other organisms that they can't live with, with uh, in those sterile conditions. While yeah. some species and select strains have been cultivated, it, it's a very recent development. Yeah, I, I've I've never seen one before, and I haven't seen one since, and I was shocked to see it. So, who knows? Maybe it wasn't, but it sure looked like one. Mm -hmm. There's definitely some lookalikes, and it, it, once you know the identifying characteristics, they can be quite easy to identify, but uh, the, there are other similar species to those, but the morels do definitely grow around here. They tend to be very few and far between, though. Yeah, it was just the one. <laughs> <laughs> I looked everywhere when I saw the one, I couldn't, couldn't, and I've watched for it every year since and never seen another one, so. Mm-hmm. You're listening to Farm to Fork on Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP, 103.3 FM in Northampton. And we're talking with Julia Coffey, owner of Mycoterra Farm in South Deerfield, Deerfield Massachusetts. Uh, so, Julia, what are your steps uh, for setting up the indoor mushroom growing stations or growing mushrooms? Uh, we grow our mushrooms using a sterile tissue culture process. It's... Uh, Growing mushrooms from spores can, uh, the spores have quite a bit of genetic variability. So the primary uh, method of mushroom production that we use on the farm is expanding the mycelium. The mycelium is the vegetative and living growing uh, uh, tissue uh, phase of the life cycle. It's the uh, active growth phase. Uh, and so we primarily use hardwood sawdust as a substrate. Uh, some species get supplemented with a wheat bran, others with uh, soy hulls. All of our agricultural amendments are certified organic, and we supplement with some organic min minerals, lime and gypsum, uh, to create a favorable uh, 
substrate their primary food source is lignin and cellulose and then the the grain additions give them some nitrogen and the minerals some critical nutrients so our daily process involves uh, mixing sawdust with the amendments adjusting the moisture content to an appropriate level uh, bagging and sterilizing the sawdust uh, they get bagged in about uh, five pound or um, roughly one gallon bags. The bags get folded and uh, put on shelves and these shelves rolled into our commercial autoclave and they get cooked for about four hours at 20 PSI uh, the, uh, in a, through a steam sterilization process. And the steam sterilization helps eliminate competitors, molds, yeast, bacteria, basically other fungi that would compete with the species we're trying to grow. Uh, on the other end of the autoclave, the material, the racks get rolled out into a cool down room. They get they cool for a couple hours and then they get inoculated with uh, a grain spawn. The spawn basically consists of a grain that's been colonized with the mushroom mycelium and uh, a little bit of mycelium, uh, myceliated grain gets poured into each bag. The bags are sealed, shaken and labeled and shelved in our uh, incubation lab and the mycelium grows from the grain into the sawdust substrate, basically transforming the sawdust into the fungal organism as itself, uh, in itself. Mm -hmm. And once the, uh, it's reached a critical stage in the incubation process, then uh, the material gets moved out to the lab, out of the lab into our fruiting area. Our fruiting area basically consists of two greenhouses uh, in inside a larger building and these greenhouses are cooler and uh, kept humid and so the uh, substrate gets moved from a very climate controlled lab into a, a cool humid environment to begin the fruiting stage of the process which is where the mushrooms are actually formed mm -hmm. so first stage is sterilization second growing the mycelium and third is fruiting and then fourth is harvesting and packing the mushrooms and getting them to market mm -hmm. Is there any light in your greenhouses of a certain wavelength or daylight or sunlight or dark or? Uh, yes, actually the mushrooms that we work with do require light to grow properly. Mm -hmm. um, some won't grow at all or they'll grow irregularly or mutate if there's not enough light. So we go by a natural daylight schedule. Our, um, our grow room is uh, lit with a blue-white LED um, for energy efficiency, but it, it's also a good light uh, to use in mushroom production. Mm -hmm. So Julie, I was curious, uh, how, I mean, I would assume, or maybe I'm wrongly assuming that each type of mushroom needs, has different nutrient requirements. So I was curious how you determine what nutrients to put in the bedding for each mushroom. I mean, it could be fine-tuned further, but primarily mm -hmm. we use, uh, a wheat bran for our shiitake mushrooms, and we use an organic soy hull uh, for uh, oyster, lion's mane, and a lot of others. And that's just mm -hmm. based on comparing notes with other growers and figuring out what works in bulk and what doesn't. Uh, creating a special cocktail for each individual species is a, a, 
a little more time consuming uh, and mm -hmm. we've kind of found a broad substrate for a number of species and a special formula for the shiitakes. Okay, I see. Uh, and what, um, so you mentioned some of the equipment. Is there any other equipment that uh, is required for your operation? Oh, there's all kinds of equipment and oh. it breaks all the time and it's... Oh, no. <laughs> so uh, we, we have a tractor for loading our batch, batch mixer. We use a ribbon mixer uh, to mix the substrate. We use mm -hmm. a sandbag filler to bag the bags. Um, there's lots of carts and tables. Uh, there's a large commercial autoclave. Uh, mm -hmm. It's our steam vessel. It's basically a pressure cooker about five feet in diameter and 33 feet long. Um, that's supplied with steam by a high pressure boiler system. Um, there's sealers. There's uh, in the lab, there's uh, bag sealers and laminar flow hoods for filtering the air and providing a clean airflow to perform our inoculations in front of. And um, uh, then there's lots and lots and lots of shelving. Uh, all of these uh, materials spend quite a bit on time on shelves, and probably about half of our equipment investment has gone into shelving. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, so is there any equipment uh, available currently that could make your job easier, but that you haven't purchased yet? Um, um, bigger tractors. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> uh, uh, one thing in particular that I've been eyeing and dreaming about for years is a bag tumbler. Mm -hmm. um, after inoculating the bags, uh, one of the tasks that uh, takes a significant physical toll and uh, time is uh, shaking the spawn shaking the bags to distribute the spawn amongst the substrate mm -hmm. and a, a, a basic a, uh, it needs to be a well engineered for the specific person purpose but a tumbler to achieve that and reduce the the physical human toll mm -hmm. would be a, a a very specific uh equipment innovation that would help us a lot is there one available on the market or you you somebody's going to have to design one that um, would work uh, there's a couple available that have been marketed towards two mushroom growers, um, uh, like Unicorn Bag, where we buy the polypropylene special filter patch bags that we grow in, uh, offers one. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, theirs is quite pricey. It might be more economical to build it with materials sourced lo locally. Um, uh, there's, it's, it's mushroom growing at this scale is, uh, we're at a rare scale in the mushroom industry. And so there's not a lot of very specific equipment available for what we do. So we tend to innovate things, mm -hmm. um, from all kinds of other industries, uh, agriculture, manufacturing, um, material handling that, uh, meet our needs but isn't specifically designed for it mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so julia your your website describes your mushrooms um you mentioned organic and gourmet so how does one uh so you mentioned the bedding is organic um but what makes a mushroom gourmet um well it, it particularly uh well basically any most the Culinary edible mushrooms that aren't button mushrooms or portobellas are basically the uh, 
common agaricus species. Um, I tend to say could fall into a gourmet category. Gourmet is a interesting uh, culinary word, but uh, I'd say the flavor profile and unique uh, texture and properties of the mushrooms that we work with. Also, I uh, might be a little biased, but I think we grow some of the best mushrooms. Uh, we where uh, at a scale where we um, are certified organic, we have annual inspections for our organic certification. Um, we have uh, kind of refined the process and but we also have people handling things through each step so i think we produce a wonderful fresh quality product uh, often when i'm traveling out of the area and looking for mushrooms in the stores i it's, i have a hard time finding something um that i would you know deem edible mm -hmm. so um, i think gourmet also it just in general with food uh, refers to exceptional quality and mm -hmm. condition. Mm -hmm. You mentioned a little while ago lion's mane, and again the cobwebs of my mind. I think when you first started selling those, you said they're hard, they're hard to keep um, uh, from being not being bruised, and that they wouldn't be on a grocery store shelf. It, it was that lion's mane that I'm remembering. Maybe it was something else that you. It they do bruise e easy. It's it's really interesting. You mentioned the cobwebs of your mind in uh, <laughs> conjunction with lion's mane and memory. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> so li lion's mane uh, are a little more sensitive to um, supply chain handling. They 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 do bruise easy. We've definitely come a long way in our lion's mane production and found like harvesting in an ideal moisture content definitely helps with their shelf life and handling resilience. Um, but an uh, interesting uh, factor connecting to your statements on lion's mane is that there's been a lot of research in the last several years over their uh, benefits for brain health, memory, uh, and uh, general uh, nervous system wellness. So. Um, since you went there, I had to go there too. Oh, good, good to know. I will be looking. Uh, I will be looking to find those. But nobody really sells them, but you guys, right? Am I mistaken in that? I don't know if that's a fair question. I see them pop up here and there, um, occasionally. But you know, uh, I I don't. Yeah, I, I I can't think of anybody locally in Western Mass. Um, consistently growing them uh they they are hard and sometimes in the summer they don't want to grow for us uh, mm -hmm. sometimes in the cold pockets of winter they're tough uh we we've got them smoothed out mostly year-round but sometimes it can be touch and go they're one of the trickier species we work with mm -hmm. uh, so julia i understand that you sell mushroom growing kits um so i was curious what comes in a kit and who would you suggest should grow mushrooms at home uh, using that kit? Um, well, mushroom growing kits consist of basically one of the production blocks that we would grow in our greenhouse. Uh, however, it comes with instructions uh, advising you how to set it up and uh, how to grow them uh, indoors or even outdoors. Um, but they, they grow well at room temperature. A dinner plate on the kitchen counter is great. Uh, I suggest anybody from four to 94, but you can even go out 
the, those are fuzzy boundaries, but they can be pretty user appropriate um, for a wide range of people. Uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, we had a big boom in crit, uh, kit sales. Um, people were looking for activities to do at home things to bring nature into the house and so uh, it's a great activity with kids uh, we have a number of educators that buy our kits and uh, use them in the classroom to help kids learn about the fungal life cycle um, and if you just want really fresh mushrooms for a dinner you have coming up that's a great way to get the freshest mushrooms available is throw them on your kitchen counter mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so you mentioned um Sometimes the mushrooms don't cooperate, uh, but you generally have the same inventory all year long? Uh, we have some varieties that tend to be more seasonal. Okay. Uh, oysters, shiitake, and lion's mane. We have uh, like oysters and shiitake consistently year round. Every once in a while, we have some down periods with the lion's mane. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also grow other varieties uh, such as chestnut mushrooms, piapino. Uh, some anokitake, uh, a, a wide variety of oysters. There's a number of colorful varieties uh, like pink and golden oysters that grow well in the summer. And so uh, we, I, I try not to fight nature too much and grow the warm weather species in the summer and the cool loving species in the winter. Uh, but we have the same kind of base trio throughout the year very consistently. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, we need to take a station break, but please stay with us because uh, when we return, we'll continue our discussion with Julia Coffey, owner of Mycoterra Farm in South Deerfield, Massachusetts. You're listening to Farm to Fork on Valley Free Radio, 103.3 FM, an independent nonprofit community-run station in Northampton, Massachusetts. The show streams on valleyfreeradio.org, where you can also find our program schedule and become involved with the station. Listen up, employers. Veterans can be a great asset to your company or organization. Veterans have gained skills in leadership, teamwork, and performance under pressure. Veterans have received the very best training in their fields and are never afraid to tackle a tough situation to accomplish the mission. If you are looking to hire a veteran, the Department of Labor can help you make it happen. You hire a veteran today, you won't be sorry. Sundays from 4 to 6. Please join Adam on the air for Metal Education. Each week we'll delve into a different area of the genre, take requests, and generally cause mayhem, and enjoy our Sunday school. That's WXOJ FM Metal Education with Adam on the air every Sunday. See you there. I'm Elena. I have a master's degree in giving hope to children in Ethiopia. I'm John. My farm experience helped villagers in the Philippines feed themselves. If you have a degree in agriculture, the environment, or teaching English, you actually have a degree in doing more than you ever thought possible. Peace Corps volunteers can have a positive impact in the lives of people all over the world. To learn more, visit peacecorps.gov. I'm Elena. My resume now includes changing lives. When I grow up, I want to be a new pair of blue jeans. When I grow up, I want to be a kid's first computer. When I grow up, I don't want to be a piece of garbage. And if you recycle me, I won't be. Give your garbage another life. Recycle. Learn how at IWantToBeRecycled.org. 
Brought to you by Keep America Beautiful and the Ad Council. Thank you, River Valley Co-op, for your support of Valley Free Radio. River Valley Co-op specializes in fresh, local, and organically grown foods, fresh produce, meat and seafood, cheese and dairy, bread and baked goods, and an in-house deli, along with a wide selection of bulk foods and a large selection of natural and organic grocery items. Owned by its customers, although everyone is welcome. Co-op ownership is not required. Open daily 8 to 10, 330 North King Street, Northampton. Phone 413-584. 2665 rivervalleymarket.coop thank you river valley co-op for your support of free speech in the pioneer valley my name is jessica sue timberlake co-host uh and show producer caroline ruderman joined me in the studio we've been talking with julia coffee owner of michael terra farm in south deerfield massachusetts so julia um where can listeners find your mushrooms uh, for purchase so uh one of our earliest supporters and uh, regular customers is the River Valley Market, uh, Northampton and East Hampton stores. Uh, there's a number of other local farm stores. Uh, Atlas Farm Store is one of them. Um, they're carried through uh, Marty's Local and Myers Produce, local distributors, if you're a restaurant looking to order the mushrooms. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also through our sister company, Mass Food Delivery. Mm-hmm. Uh, At the beginning of uh, the pandemic in March of 2020, we uh, all of our we were very heavy, uh, heavily retail uh, focused in our marketing of our mushrooms uh, directly uh, at about 15 farmers markets throughout the state and uh, through the farm stores and the co-ops and marketing directly to colleges. And as those closed, we uh, had a panic moment and started uh, Mass Food Delivery, which is an online platform where we source uh, from a a number of local farms and producers throughout the state, as well as our own mushrooms. And so uh, that really helped uh, connect our mushrooms with our customers, as well as a number of other producers. So uh, the mass food delivery is housed under the roof of Mycoterra Farm. And so we're, uh, the, we have all of our mushrooms and our kits and a number of our value-added products available. And uh, we deliver locally in Pioneer Valley and throughout most of Massachusetts, except for the Cape and Islands. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, wow. And um, are those your own trucks logistically or do you use other like ups and fedex and all that or uh, we uh, they're actually our uh, our trucks and our drivers and uh our our team uh, uh receiving and packing the orders so oh, wow. uh customers can place orders online uh sunday noon through saturday midnight and uh, then we send purchase orders to our producers and i receive one in my inbox as well um they like we we're operating as two separate companies now and uh our our crew then uh, packs up the orders delivers them to our mass food delivery warehouse which is right down the hall conveniently and uh, (laughs) those orders are uh, aggregated and packed and delivered in uh, a a motley uh, fleet of vehicles that i've accumulated since (laughs) uh, we started we started with one little box truck and then uh, we bought a uh, sprinter van from Wasset Berkshire, and uh, then we added a couple more sprinters. And uh, when we received our food security infrastructure grant in uh, 2020, we were able to purchase a, a Freightliner truck last year that helps us 
uh, pick up larger volumes of produce and uh, basically streamline our, our produce delivery hustle. Mm-hmm. That's and, great. And you do that for, you said there's value-added products and also products from other farmers or other folks or? Yeah, we, we really focused on supporting the Massachusetts food system. Oh, wow. uh, our priority initially was local farms. Um, we work with Red Fire Farm, Kitchen Garden Farm, Winter Moon Roots, uh, as far as uh, produce offerings, uh, Queens Greens, uh, just coming to the end of their winter season, amazing winter greens. Uh, and then uh, we brought on uh, egg producers, uh, Cream of the Crop Farm out of Blanford, um, uh, local meat producers, Homestead, uh, and uh, Reed Farm and uh, the Bostrom. We have, we have a great selection of local meat, eggs, dairy. Um, we have Side Hill Farm and Smith's Cheese, and then uh, a number of value-added producers, uh, local sauces, kimchi, Hosta Hill. I, we have a really great selection of, I'd say, some of the best food, period, but uh, the best in Massachusetts, for sure. That's amazing. So if we had the ap- apocalypse... All of us in Western Mass might be eating because of you. Is that a fair statement? Or is that, forget the apocalypse, well, but. <laughs> you know, I, I, we need more farms. We need more local food production. We mm-hmm. are not in the clear at this point. And mm-hmm. that became alarmingly clear at the beginning of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And so my uh, major objective was to h- help people access food, but more so keep farm the money flowing to local farms and food producers because uh in order to uh, for our community and our area to be resilient to uh global scale disruption in the future we we really need our local food producers to uh, be prepared to navigate those challenges uh, especially with the tam- timing of the pandemic happening in the spring it was a critical time of year for uh, farms in particular and so uh, i feel like i did my part but it wasn't just me it was our customers it was our growers it was our our crew and um I, and we still have so much work to do mm-hmm. that's an amazing story thank you for doing that yeah it's huge <clears throat> um so julia you mentioned i remember 15 employees that true yeah uh the let's see we have about uh, well including me about 15 mm-hmm. on uh mycoterra farm and then mass food delivery i think we're at about 12 to 14 uh including our logistics managers our uh, packing shed our drivers um uh, and and then we have the you know, the incredible extended network of all the producers. It's quite a big family that the mass food delivery has uh, grown the farm into. So and, and on every any given day under the roof here, we can have about twenty people uh, working between the two companies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just curious how how they all are helpful um, to run the business. So if if as the um, as the pandemic you know, disappears or becomes just background. If people continue to order through you, that will help sustain, create a network that would be more sustaining. Yeah, we had a huge boom at the beginning of the pandemic. uh, And then uh, things began to taper out, but we have had, uh, we've established a, 
critical mass in our customer base. Excellent. A number of people, um, uh, e even from the beginning, said, I hope you guys uh, s stick around after this because this is an amazing service. And mm -hmm. we've really found that uh, food access barriers aren't just financial. There's proximity. Um, there's a lot of people with transportation access issues. And we serve both urban and rural locations uh, where we found a lot of food the, food desert environments with, you know, different motivating factors. So um, I think there there's definitely room for this to uh, continue. And we're, we're thrilled to just keep uh, uh, putting food back, putting money in uh, back into the Massachusetts food system with a minimal distance between the where the food's produced and the consumer is enjoying it on their plate. Mm -hmm. Firm to fork. Yeah. So, Julia, do you find you need to educate some of your customers in terms of they don't know how to use the specific mushrooms, or do you offer recipes? Or there's there's quite a bit of education as far as culinary enjoyment goes. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean. A, a lot of people can just enjoy mushrooms simply sauteed in butter and onions. Mm -hmm. Some people are more texture averse and more creative preparation can make them palatable for uh, people more squeamish with the uh, texture side of mushrooms. Um, they can be done very simply and then there's endless possibilities as far as recipes. I, I, I often go to Google but um, uh, there's uh, a, a new inspiring cookbook is the Fantastic Fungi cookbook. Um, Fantastic Fungi is a movie um, that one of my mentors helped uh, w w played a large role in, uh, and that's definitely worth a watch if you're interested in exploring more in the fungal kingdom. Uh, that was uh, originally screened in, uh, I believe, December of 2019, and they j just uh, uh, they they were going global right in March of 2020. So um, uh, they 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 ended up uh, pivoting their theater opening into a Vimeo format, but I believe it's even on Netflix now. Mm -hmm. Oh, great. Uh, do you? So do you encourage um, individuals who are interested in growing mushrooms professionally or do you caution them and why? Um, well, it's a lot of hard work. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I think that it'd be, there's plenty of room for more mushrooms, mm -hmm. um, but there's... Uh, sometimes it can look a little bit better on paper and you just have to be prepared for the hard work aspect of it. It is farming. Mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, it, it's, it, there, there's, a, there's uh, maybe some snake oil salesmen out there pitching um, kind of uh, uh, ready to grow mushroom farms and they, they definitely look better on paper than they do in real life. Uh, there's a lot of uh, contamination is a huge factor, um, and uh, but if you're passionate about it, do it. That's uh, I I, uh, um, I I leaned into it because of the unknowns and because of the challenges. And so if you're ready to take on those tasks, um, why not go mm -hmm. for it? Mm -hmm. um, so Julia, do you have any plans um, to ever produce value added? mushroom products um this is an example i recently ran across a bag of called shrooms plant-based mushroom crisps uh so just curious if 
you ever imagine going down that road? Definitely. And we are on that road. Um, oh. Our uh, original value-added products were actually mushroom skincare uh, products that mm -hmm. I developed and sold at farmer's markets. Uh, we also do a variety of mushroom extracts. And um, another part of the food security infrastructure grant we received was to uh, uh, build out a uh, commercial kitchen on our farm. So that has just been completed and we are um, about to uh, really dive into an assortment of value-added products, uh, mushroom socks, stocks, soups, um, uh, sauces, stewed, prepared meals, and we have the uh, the fortunate access of mass food delivery as uh, basically a test market to launch and uh, get uh, consumer feedback on those so we can really uh, th throw a number of things out there and see what people really like and what takes to the market. Mm -hmm. that's, that's exciting. Uh, are there any new mushroom innovations uh, on the horizon that you're seeing? Oh, I, I feel like applications that, or <clears throat> it, 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 it's just mushrooming. The the I and I see so much more um, since since I started my career in mycology and mushroom farming about twenty years ago. Um, there's been so many amazing innovations. There's ecovative design working with mycelium as uh, materials uh, for like shipping containers for. Uh, uh, basically alternative to packing peanuts or molded styrofoam. Uh, they also working with building materials. Um, uh, so that that's uh, one whole, you know, not quite mushrooms, but the mycelium stage of the life cycle uh, market that's emerging. Um, there's mushroom burials. Uh, uh, I've seen um, some innovative projects project uh, uh, product development in um, uh, using fungi for a green burial option. Mm -hmm. um, I definitely uh, plan on departing in that fashion. Um, there's uh, uh, mushrooms in, uh, you know, uh, all different culinary aspects always growing. Uh, and also uh, quite a bit of development in the research of mushrooms for their uh, health and nutritional mm -hmm. uh, purposes. So I, I've seen, uh, I mean, the, the, it's hard to keep on top of the research because it's, it's always uh, expanding exponentially. And that's the, again, circling back to the thing I love is all those unknowns and it's a wide frontier. Uh, and then um, in the past few years, there's been quite a bit of legitimate research in the uh, psychoactive uh, mushroom category and the, their use in uh, depression, PTSD, uh, health and wellness. And so that's been a big taboo um, for a long time, but there's, there's actually a lot of promise beginning to emerge in their uh, uh, benefit for state of mind and mental well-being mm -hmm, mm -hmm. a friend told me that um psilocybin which i think is in certain mushrooms helps with his um cluster headaches yeah the, yeah the, uh, cluster headaches, a, a, a lot of um pain neurological uh, uh trauma um 
there's uh, and there there's research in the U.S. now. I'd say Canada is a little bit ahead of us, and uh, so that that's just beginning to um, really get explored in more depth. And I'm uh, excited to see where that goes. Uh, I think it'll give people. Uh, uh, healthier option than a lot of the uh, pharmaceuticals that have been relied on heavily in the last, you know, in the course of my lifetime, at least. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You're listening to Farm to Fork on Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP 103.3 FM in Northampton. And we're talking with Julia Coffee, owner of Mycoterra Farm in South Deerfield, Massachusetts. Uh, so Julia, uh, do you ever offer tours at your facility? Uh, we've been pretty much closed since the uh, we've been closed since the beginning of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, uh, now that we've finished our uh, commercial kitchen construction, we've got a little bit of work left to do on our farm store. Mm -hmm. We hope to be opening that in the next several weeks. And what uh, the plan is because we get a lot of interest in tours for the facility is just have a set tour. Uh, schedule on a weekly basis that mm -hmm. people can sign up for or drop in and attend. Mm -hmm. um, we don't have that schedule set. It'll come together with the farm store staffing and schedule um, because we we do have quite a bit of, bit of interest and it's really hard to wrap your mind around what we do here unless you see it. So mm -hmm. uh, we'd like to be able to make that accessible but uh, in a um, streamlined format for us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Not so much work. Um, <clears throat> so I saw an event on your website called the Mass Mushroom Fest. Uh, can you tell us more about that? Yeah, that I mean, that seems like forever ago. Uh, <laughs> that was in fall of 2019. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, that was before everything changed. Uh, we worked with Willie Crosby, a fungi ally, and uh, put on an amazing uh, mushroom fest. It, it was just planned over a course of a few weeks, but it was very well attended and we hosted uh, a number of vendors and um, uh, mushroom enthusiasts on the farm. We hosted the Pioneer Valley Mycological Association, which had a beautiful identification table, uh, helped inform people about the uh, native mushroom species. Um, but uh, that, that's been... Uh, that definitely did not return in fall of 2020 or 2021. Uh, we're hoping um, maybe to revisit that. Uh, this fall is creeping up really quickly, but um, uh, there, there's definitely a growing culture of fungal enthusiasts uh, in the Pioneer Valley and uh, throughout Massachusetts. So uh, since we are a big hub of mushrooms in the state, a uh, big source of them. We, we hope to bring that back at least sometime soon. Mm -hmm. Do you um, do you think you you'll have interns or um, you know people come for the educational side of it? I know you're so busy with everything you put together during the pandemic, but is that something that you've done in the past or would do again? Or students come come through? Um, I have done. Uh, I, I've hosted a few interns on the farm. Um, it is, uh, it takes the right uh, crew to really be able to provide the mentorship and the training for interns. Uh, I'm pretty uncomfortable having free labor 
I prefer to uh, pay. Um, but there's a big training investment in uh, having people come work on the farm. So it's a delicate balance. I, I've had it work out amazing. One of my, uh, my production manager was an intern from Hampshire College, um, and that worked out fantastic for both of us. But it's, uh, it, it can be a little tricky. If, if I have the right people in the right places to provide it, I, I'd like to provide a um, educational and enriching experience, but it is farming. There's a lot of repetitive things. And so um, the delicating the academic aspect of an internship with the actual requirements of what the job is uh, can be a tricky balance to achieve. So it really takes the, the right candidate and the right uh, management team to make that a possibility. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Mm-hmm. <coughs> well, Julia, we have about a minute left. Uh, are there any last uh tidbits you'd like to throw out your website address or well uh the farm website is mycoterrafarm.com <laughs> and uh again the mass food delivery is just massfooddelivery.com uh we're located in south deerfield and uh if uh both those sites are a great place to learn more about our companies <laughs> when will your farm store open you said maybe in a few weeks I'm hoping by the end of May. I, I, you know, previously I was hoping by the end of April, but we're <laughs> we're progressing soon. We should be finishing up the last phases of construction in the next few weeks. So, um, I, I really like to to uh, feature, you know, all of our. We, we've got great connections with local producers as well as our, as our own mushrooms, and we're also producing. Um, uh, some select produce in uh, no-till mushroom beds on our farm as well. So uh, we'll have some of our uh, plant friends grown on our mushroom compost uh, available for sale in the farm store too. So uh, uh, again, fingers crossed, a few weeks it should be open. And that'll be in South Deerfield somewhere? Yes, we're Stillwater Road, South Deerfield. Well, we'd like to thank our guest, uh, Julia Coffey, owner of Mycoterra Farm in South Deerfield, Massachusetts. You may find additional information about Farm to Fork on Valley Free Radio's website, valleyfreeradio.org. Our theme song, Sometimes I Wonder Where My Food Comes From, was written by Scraggly Dan and the Stragglers for this Farm to Fork uh, radio program and performed by artists. <laughs>